With us today is Mario Economo, and he's a former banker who uh, was uh, based in New York, London, and Zurich, and uh, other large money central banks, and uh, raised in Europe, and uh, he has a lot of informative information. Mario, what's going on this week? Good morning, Cats Roundtable. So we'll start with the weather in Europe, which is uh, extreme. We have extreme heat in the southern parts of Europe. Some countries are experiencing extreme heat in their south and massive flooding in their north. An example of that is Italy. This is doing incredible things to the wholesale energy uh, market in uh, Europe. We've seen in the last five days roughly 40% increase and it's expected to continue to go up as the southern European countries continue to draw a lot of power in order to be able to uh, fuel the various air conditioning systems which are in place, and especially so for many of the tourists that are coming and visiting Europe at this time of the year. Uh, The heat waves will continue. It's expected through uh, August, and um, the forest fires as a result of these heat waves are showing once again how uh, inadequately prepared Europe is in terms of dealing with this climactic change and the impact it's having on the forests and the ensuing fires. Um, There's also going to be an election in Spain. Uh, Sunday we'll see a uh, national election held. It is expected that the far-right and the center-right party will win, although many people are saying that there is a possibility uh, the center-left party, the socialists, could win and could form a coalition government with another party. Uh, the same is being said for the uh, center-right and the far-right. They could form a coalition government. The polls are saying uh, a lot of different things, but I don't think we can rely on poll- polls uh, as accurately as we used to be able to. It seems that either polls are overestimating or underestimating the power of various uh, political parties. I do also want to mention one other thing, which is interesting, and this is going to be at the beginning of 2024, at some point at the start of the year, uh, the European Union will require what's called a European travel information and authorization system to be put in place. This means that Americans who are now going to start traveling to Europe in in the new year of 2024 will have to actually file an online application, provide Uh, information, biographical information, travel plans, travel history, as well as other security questions. The process will take about an hour online. It will cost around $8, and it's going to determine whether or not an American is allowed to travel into the European Union. Um, This is very similar to what the Europeans have been filling in with respect to the U.S. ESTA uh, program, uh, which basically requires Europeans to do the same thing. What will be interesting to see is when the Europeans uh, activate the system and it comes live, will they actually be uh, accessing the FBI's records and files on American citizens? Uh, and if not, where will they be drawing their um, information from in order to do the uh, background checks required as a result of the security questions that are going to be asked? Understood. And so uh, tell us uh, uh Right now, we're going into the month of uh, uh, August in a week or so, and and Europeans take the whole month off mostly. I mean, uh, what's happening this year? Uh, It's going to be pretty much the same. I think that after uh, several years of lockdowns and COVID, many Europeans are actually excited about the fact and the prospect that they're able to travel freely. The problem is, once again, however, the high cost of this travel and the high cost of lodging 
and food when you do travel to a certain destination. Food inflation continues to be stubbornly, it remains stubbornly high in the, the European Union, and pretty much everything they're doing to try to address it, is, it does not seem to be working. I would like to touch on one last thing this morning, if I may, and that has to do with uh, Russia and the Ukrainian um, uh, war. Uh, we know that the counteroffensive that the Ukrainians have launched is progressing very slowly with at best, mixed results. We do know that in the United Kingdom, just after the NATO meeting last week, uh, the UK defense minister has announced that the next cabinet reshuffle, he will resign as defense secretary and he will not run for election again uh, with the conservative party. There's a lot of questions around why that has happened and why he has done that. Um, we know that uh, President Putin has pulled Russia out of the grain deal and we know that everybody is trying to encourage him to rejoin the grain deal. Um, but here's the interesting thing, and this is one uh, thought I want to leave with all the listeners. Putin is putting forward two conditions. Uh, one, he wants the uh, sanctions lifted on his financial institutions, which one can say, okay, that makes sense. But he's also putting something else forward, which is interesting. He's saying he wants Russia to be admitted once again back into the SWIFT payment system. And I find that interesting because a year and a half into this, we know that Russia itself, or at least we've been told and we've seen inflation is low, uh, the ruble's doing very well, Russians in Russia are getting access to plenty of food and various other goods and services. So if everything is going that well, and if Russia and China are discussing a new digital currency, one which is going to be based on gold, oil and other natural resources, why is President Putin at this point pushing for Russia to rejoin the SWIFT payment system? That's an interesting question. And uh, the same way, why is the Fed doing a uh, experimental, uh, uh, what, what kind of Fed uh, cyber system are they uh, coming up with in, in the United States? The Fed just put it through digital, last week. A digital payment system. Yes. Yes, and and uh, they're, advertising, they're advertising the fact that you're going to make uh, payments within seconds. I mean, you know, yes, who, who does uh, that benefit? Uh, well, presumably it's going to benefit businessmen such as yourself and myself and, the, and, and also employees, salaried employees who will be able to see their pay uh, literally in their account within moments. They'll be able to have their expense uh, return uh, reimbursements within moments. Landlords yes, will be able to get their rent paid within moments without having to wait for a check to clear overnight. But that so doesn't that benefit the consumer because two-thirds of the consumers don't have the money and they probably have to borrow it and they're going to charge you interest to borrow the money to make the swift payment. My well, opinion. I mean, that, My opinion. That, yeah, that that may happen. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't think we're going to be able to really understand that system until it's actually implemented. And then, more importantly, the Fed has said that that system is going to be based on uh, banks accepting it and accepting to use it. So, at the end of the day, the uh, Federal Reserve is providing a payment system, an instantaneous payment system, but it's going to be yes. up to the banks to decide banks whether or will, not it's in their interest. The banks to do will it. lend you the money to make the payment, and that way, that's how they make their return on investment. Uh, Mario Kanamu, thank you so much for coming, calling in, and bringing everybody up to date on Europe. Uh, stay cool. 
uh, in this hot weather, and we'll, we'll catch up again with you again real soon. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you.